Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete, the podcast hosted by me, Emma Gannon, and the place where I interview interesting people about their interesting jobs. Today's guest is Imri Morgan. She is the co-founder and CEO of the Shoutout Network and the co-host of the Melanin Millennials podcast. This podcast is one of my favourites. It's also one of the first UK podcasts to be made by and for black British women. The podcast has been covered by places like The Debrief and Refinery29. They've had lots of amazing positive feedback back and it's expanding it's growing really quickly and it's turning into live events and they're starting to partner up with some really big brands so it's very exciting times for the shout out network so i really wanted to shout out myself about them and how amazing they are and really just talk to imri about creating your own platform how she's growing it kind of the business side of things but also why podcasting is such an important platform All the podcasts on the Shoutout Network are hosted by people from underrepresented backgrounds and there's now five podcasts uh, and that's growing on the roster covering things from pop culture, history, books, comedy, philosophy, theatre, film, music. There is absolutely something for everyone on the Shoutout Network and I really recommend you check it out. The book-related podcast is called Mostly Lit. It is fantastic. It was actually voted one of iTunes' best podcasts of 2016, which is amazing. I really enjoy hanging out with Imri. I've been on panels with her recently. I also was invited to go on to their podcast as a guest, which was the most fun. So it was really nice to have Imri on mine as well. So really, really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And here it is. So I first met Imri and Satya doing the Millennial, the Melanin Millennial <laughs> podcast. And I was so honoured that you invited me on. Oh, And really? it was so fun. It was fun. We talked about so much mess on that. Yeah. Said a lot of things uh, happened yes. in that week. So. You need to check it out, their podcast. It's I was out of my comfort zone, I felt, because what I love about the podcast is that it is a place where you can get quite political. Yes. And just have a good conversation yeah. without judgment. It is that. Um, I think I come into it so differently when we have guests because we always kind of try and shape it to our guests. And then you agreed to do it and we were really excited about it as well. We're like, oh my gosh, Emma's coming on. And then we're like, what are we going to talk about? And then all this alt-right stuff came and I was like, oh, yeah. we're really throwing her in the deep end. And I also felt like I was in the deep end with that. So like with the guests we try to make it like okay so what do you tend to do what do you enjoy let's find something in the news that we can relate to and then on the other hand it's like so we're going full throttle with politics and we're just gonna just cuss some people out and be really mean (laughs) yeah but it was good for me my new year's resolution anyway was to be more vocal and to be less scared yeah to maybe because you know i was in a nice safe space of like you guys might have challenged an opinion I might have had, but it was always going to be like a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I think that's cause... what we try to do. It's more about like challenging even our own thoughts. So like Satya loves debating mm. and I'm less like debate, more like, here's my opinion, that's it. You're probably not going to change it. I just have it. Yeah. But then it's always, we're always challenging each other and then we're mm. challenging the guests, which is always good because people have said we're like assassins when it comes to <laughs> guests. And I'm like, we're not. We're really nice. It's <laughs> like the millennial fun, let's get drunk question time. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's how I feel. I like we need that we need that in the world but you just had Jamelia as well yeah so back I think just before you came on 
Satya, we were talking about Jamelia and she had just left Loose Women or was let go from Loose Women. And because of the comments she had made and Satya felt personally affected by those what she thought those comments were. Was it about the body image yeah, stuff? Yeah, the body image stuff. Um, and she called her a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Jamelia messaged us like, so you added me and you tagged me in this thing. You called me this. I didn't like it. it was, I don't like being called this word. It's not great for women and all this other stuff. And I was just like, well... I'm going to say sorry on behalf of the show and Satya eventually apologised on air and then she was like I want to come on and talk about what happened because I haven't said my side of the story mm. and she felt like our platform was like the perfect place to just completely unload and oh my god it was like get definitely like so eye-opening for us because I think it's different when you hear about especially like black celebrities saying and being a certain way in the media and then there's a, they get accused of so much like being sellouts and oh they're just conforming to the media and mainstream and they're just not supporting the community mm-hmm. and then actually hearing it from their side like the kind of expectations placed upon them especially as Jamelia started from when she was like 15 mm-hmm. it was like an intense two hours of just mm-hmm. listening to that story and just being like wow we did not kind of expect her to say as much as she did and it was incredible it was yeah. a really good episode because on the whole everything that you've done so um launching your own network and especially having kind of put together like this amazing platform that is elevating the voices of people who in the past have been ignored yeah so with the shout out network it's more about how do we take voices that people ignore marginalize or they're just severely underrepresented um and amplify them and give them the space to kind of just create the content that they want um i think it's just a little bit different with podcasting because it's way more intimate and there's kind of more intent and i think Mm. with like something like mostly lit which is all about literature I actually had to check my own biases um, when we had that initial meeting with Alex where he was like, I want to start a podcast and I want it to be about literature. Like, I didn't anticipate that a young six foot something black man is going to come up to me and say he wants to start a podcast about books. Like, it just didn't occur to me. And I think when that in that moment, I was like, no, there's something we're doing here is really important because if I'm thinking that as a minority, like what must other people, publishers or anywhere else, be thinking when he might come in and say, I want to talk about books. And I think he, even in his career, has like faced difficulties trying to get into that industry. So I think we kind of just look at the subjects that we just don't see ourselves in and just say, well, I actually do like the theatre, I do like books, I do like politics. How do I now put my my stamp on it and have a place in that and I think now we're actually starting to see that making waves a little bit and now people are actually like oh well there's a lot of different voices that have Mm. opinions on these subjects let's include them so it's been really it's really been eye-opening it's been like an incredible year for us as well as mostly lit got like best of 2016 I saw that in the iTunes roundup yeah amazing I actually died a little bit inside I was like incredible they really didn't tell us either they're just like we've got something planned for mostly lit um can we get some artwork for them? And I was just like, two, three weeks later, there they were, like, best of 2016. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, we did not know. It was crazy. Oh, it's so awesome. And, like, how it's it's all grown relatively quickly. What was the motivation to start the, the network? Uh, it was F.A., the founder of the network, who is never seen nor heard um, <laughs> he really wanted to create a podcast network and he listened to a lot of podcasts for about five years before um, and just kind of saw what like the African American shows did so The Read um, Tax Stone is a big influence for him and Combat Jack um, they're all like incredibly big they're big in hip hop culture specifically and they were 
managing to get like a group of people or an audience that never would have listened to podcasts because for the most part podcasts is widely documented as white and men um so it was like american had, white men american white men um talking about god knows what um and so we kind of just flipped that and they saw he saw them do that so well and get like a whole demographic of people that would never have listened to podcasts into podcasts just by creating the content for them and it was similar in the UK that there was nothing there and I remember listening to all of these shows and being like "Mm, I want to hear British people I want to hear the British version of the read I want to hear the British version of this show and googling it and not kind of finding it how nuts that there was just this like massive hole yeah it's a massive gaping hole yeah and you don't know until you google it like and now we're seeing more and more people um like on twitter and things tweeting like oh i'm looking for more black british podcasts and it's like if you googled that a year ago that like nothing came up like i I tried nothing came up and now we're doing a really good job of like uplifting other platforms and independent podcasts that are coming through in our demographic and i think there's a lot of growing to do still for some of the content creators but it's like we're giving them the time and the space to do it so it's mad that like in the last year we started off as one of five with melanin millennials and then mostly lit was like two or six and then now there's something like 70 plus and Mm. i would be i would be remiss if i didn't say like the shower network wasn't a part of that Mm. catalyzing this movement Um, and now there's so many um that people have a choice and I think that's important that it's not a competition it's just about having more choice yeah. and more content options absolutely and the way that your podcast has evolved has been really interesting as well because you just did your first event yes I was following it on Twitter but obviously I wasn't there I want to know how it went it was so good uh, so we had Melanin Millennials live um, on Saturday it's Saturday evening and we were just determined that we were going to try and make the mojitos that you had when you came to yeah. make everyone really drunk um, and then actually through just kindness of sponsors and things someone just said oh I run this cocktail company I will provide you with a dispenser full of cocktails and we had like live frying plantain and okra and it was just like the best time like we had about 30 of our like nearest and nearest people that have been listening from the very start in a room who just came to support us. And I think it's so wonderful when I didn't ex- know what to expect. I just thought we're just going to be in a room and have to perform. And I don't know how we- I don't think we're funny. We're not funny in the studio. I don't I don't see that. And then everyone was literally like laughing from the beginning. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know we were this funny, but thank you so much. And they were just like, I'm so glad I did this. Let me know when the next one is. And the atmosphere was beautiful. People stayed afterwards and talked to each other because I think we gave them that common ground. And it's amazing to see that we can bring people together. Mm. And I just, I, I wanted that, but it was very like surreal to actually see it in action. The people are just amazing. Like the congregation is what we call them, but the congregation is incredible. They are the most supportive group of people and listeners. Um, so it was a great event like you missed out oh I know the food was delicious I really want to come to the next one there will be next one Uh, yeah we're in Leeds next actually on the 18th of March for the Leeds Union they invited us down to do a live show so that's going to be intense because that will be bigger than the London show and I, I, I literally have no idea what to expect. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, it's going to be awesome. But now is as well that you now you've done one and you know that because I wonder if it is to do with the format. You know that podcasting is is intimate and a bit more laid back. I don't know. It's why do you think it's kind of had this like resurgence? Because we were on a panel recently yes. about the you know the podcast revolution and all the rest of it, and it's not new, but it seems like it's having another life. Yeah, I think it's just because the de- the demographic of listeners has shifted and there's more people kind of entering 
it not only in the content side but as listeners so I think people were just finding out about it it was very niche I would mm. say before and it was very kind of like lacking in diversity and now that more people are finding it I think it's a bit like blogging in the early days like there were only a few blogs around and then blogging had like this massive thing where bloggers were everywhere and if you started really early you started off really well with a bang but when you have a niche and you carve out a space for yourself then you can do really well and I think podcasting is the same thing people are just finding the content that resonates with them and it's now like oh my god this thing is amazing I'm gonna find more things to listen to and it is intimate like you're actually intentionally going out to listen to one or two people just speak Mm. (laughs) for like an hour or two it's actually kind of a weird phenomenon Um, and I always find it really strange that people do it and I still do it so do you find it um, easy-ish or do you find it still quite because I think the myth as well is I guess what goes into the production of making stuff because I guess you you guys have got like a really cool setup you've got a lot of really nice equipment and yeah. a kind of studio vibe is it was it a lot of like investment at the beginning yeah FA put in most of the monetary investment I put mostly time um he was adamant from the very 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 start that it was going to be the sound quality had to match or be close to like BBC quality or um like all the other major networks because we were going to enter this we were going to be the first of our kind in, in in our demographic we were literally like we didn't know whether there was a huge black audience for the content we were creating and we had to literally go out and find them so it was like okay when they find us they need to be like wow this is this sounds like the read or this sounds like something npr would put out or gimlet Mm. and so we were very much like it it definitely didn't start off being that great but it's definitely getting there and so we were very much like we're going to invest in the time so we had a sound engineer for the first few episodes of melon and millennials and then fa took it upon himself to he's like i can't afford to keep paying for someone to do this i'm just gonna learn it Mm. and there was some rocky roads we lost a lot of audio (laughs) um there's definitely a few re-recorded episodes but now it's getting to a point where he's invested in like this ridiculous mixer board i don't know what it does it has a lot of knobs and buttons and he's just like on tutorials every single day so there's a lot of dedication to making it the making sure the equipment works for us as well as the other way around so it is important because do you you think there's something to be said for like the time that we're in at the moment about um making stuff happen kind of self-teaching youtubing stuff you don't know it's kind of i always find it difficult when people ask for advice sometimes because sometimes you have to just get on with it yeah Do, do you kind of is that what you say to people who kind of say to you oh that's amazing what you've done I want to do a similar thing. Yeah, we get more and more of those questions now. And I think in the beginning we were, because we get so many pictures as well, and we can't take on all the pictures. So we do try to, FA did at the very start, give advice to everyone. So he would always call them back and have a conversation like, okay, but if you are serious and you want to do this, here's some advice, here's what equipment you can start out with. And now it's like, I think we're definitely getting to a place where it's like a lot of this information is very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you could Google it. Um, it's not all in one place. I think we're going to start thinking about how we kind of put it all together and just say, okay, here's a pack that you can just use and go from there yeah. um, and, or a little bit of a toolkit. But it's now like, yeah, for the most part, you can just start it. If you Google creating an RSS feed, you'll find the answer. It's yeah. not hard. So I think there is an element of people wanting to just ask you just to ask you and like not and valuing your time which is a tough thing to do because it's still so new for a lot of us especially in 
in the demographic we're in like it's still very brand new and people don't know what they're googling Mm -hmm. and I think that's where we're at now it's like it feels like we know what we're doing because we've been doing it for ages and we kind of take for granted that we've been doing it for ages um so when someone asks this question it's like why can't they just google it it's like well if you don't know what you're googling like do I know I need an RSS feed because I don't think I would know that um do I know how to upload to iTunes I just know that podcasts appear on iTunes like what am I googling to, to put in so it's like at least equipping people with the language um, and the search terms in the first place which That's is important so true yeah so if you're out of the loop then yeah where do you where, what's the first step exactly I, I wouldn't have a clue unless I'd done it um before but what what has what has been a challenge like has there been anything that's kind of been just a learning point so I guess you're you're working with multiple podcasts you're yeah. running a network you're working with friends who are kind of colleagues but also first and foremost your friends like is there anything that you've really taken away from it so far? Yeah, being on the top, <laughs> sitting on the top of everything. There's been a couple of challenges in that people management has been... I used to work in recruitment and employment, uh, or HR, employment's the American term. And I know how important it is to set a culture. And I know actually, technically, I know the theory and I know everything, but implementing that is so much harder than I could have ever imagined. And I used to write so many beautiful blog posts, like, this is what you should do to all of these employers. And they'll be like, yeah, it's How to keep your employees happy. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm doing it now and people are... We have so many different personality types and because they're all content creators and creatives, which also have their own kind of subtype, it is an inc- it's so difficult, mm. especially some podcasts are more demanding than the others. Some of them are just stay silent and just have conversations between themselves and then they'll bring us in when they come to record. Some of them want us in from the moment they plan an episode, it's like all the way through in the group chats, like a hundred messages in like an hour. So it is very, very difficult to kind of like separate yourselves from it. And because we've kind of set ourselves up as a family, it's like, how do we keep it professional? So when there's things around contracts or, you know, whether they can or can't do something with their content, which we try not to influence too much, it is really difficult to switch between friend and, and professional. So yeah, I'd say it's, that's probably been the biggest challenge, just managing people and then trying to keep it professional on the side because we have got into some huge bust-ups over time. <laughs> like, you can't do that. You, no. can't, you can't do that. Why can't I do this? Like, because you can't, that's not, it's not we, don't, we don't put that in the contract, you can't do that. And it's very difficult to have that conversation when you feel like that person is your friend. Yeah. So, But then surely it's a good, even a good thing though that you've got a contract in the first place because yeah. I can imagine without a contract then then where's the line on stuff like this? Exactly. And I think even getting those contracts into place, for the most part, it was fine, smooth sailing. But then there's always like a friction point. And like when we've had to deal with, especially where the contract was concerned, it's like, what what do we take? Not I don't know. I've never done law before. So it was just like, <laughs> I have some terms that I think are fairly comprehensive. And people coming back and saying, well, I don't agree with this. And I don't like this. And it's like, well, that's something we have to hardline and being really putting your foot down and saying like, we're putting in most of the production costs. We are literally investing in you as a creator to create this thing. So you have to be fair mm-hmm. in in that we have to gain something back. Like we do intend to get something back from this, um, whether that be through financial or through recognition or whatever, like the network still expects, it's still a business. Yeah. So you have to like explaining that process to someone that doesn't see it as a business. They just see it as something fun that they do on the side is very difficult and it's a very hard conversation. I don't wish it on anyone. Yeah. But definitely do it if you want to do it. <laughs> definitely. But but then one thing as well that I really admire about you guys and we kind of touched on this on the on the panel that we were doing is is how you're so aware 
well it's a natural thing to you guys that you it needs to be authentic yeah. and the sponsorship conversation is really important yeah i recently had an ad for 50 shades of gray on my podcast that i got removed because i just really <laughs> don't like 50 shades of gray it's just a personal decision i just think it's awful um i don't think men should go around spanking people and giving them free ipads <laughs> Like, I hate it's not really my thing. Great. Yeah. So, um, so it's fine. It got removed, and it's not a big deal. But because it was sort of like a pre-roll one that I guess yeah. you'd have on YouTube videos or something like that, you don't necessarily choose those ones. And so, I like the fact that you guys, your plan is almost like the content comes first, and I'm I'm the same. But then, how do you monetize it? Because content yeah. should be paid for, really. Yeah, and I remember when we did it on the panel and you said that, I was like, you everything you said, I like completely agreed with. And then I'm like, but still inside my heart of hearts, I don't, I'm just like so protective of it. Um, and I'm, I'm really still thinking about how we, how we as a network think about the monetization or how much control we put onto the, creator, the creatives themselves. So it's like, do they mind having ads whatever kind of ads they want on there because they want to monetize quickly do we put that in their hands or do we we take that as the network it's our responsibility and it's still an ongoing conversation we just haven't figured that out i would say that like because we've been so guarded about it we are now having the meetings and the conversations with the brands or the companies that do facilitate these the monetization of our content because clearly there is a market for the demographic people do want to sell to our audiences um and they don't have access to it we do so there's something like nice about being a gatekeeper for once because we're mm-hmm. rarely the gatekeeper of our own stuff yeah. so right now I'm like we're starting to have the conversations with the brands directly so to me I'm just like well I can still kind of get the best of both where the content creators choose if they want to work with a particular company I can I think I can safely say that like Mostly Lit is now being sponsored by Penguin for a month which is really really cool they really just like the content they don't want to influence it too much and we got to dictate those terms and I think that's really important for me and for them that they're not changing their content because they came to us because of how the content is so yeah for us, it's like, how do I meet matching those expectations is important and being able to at least come with our own terms and say, no, we're not changing the content. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what Mostly Lit offered and what we offered were two different things. So it was like a conversation between all three of us, like, okay, so this is what's realistic and this is what we can afford to do and what you can afford to change in your show. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, now we're getting to a place where there is sponsorship and there's advertising coming through and yeah, we are planning a massive massive summer event it's gonna be really really big so we're looking at having like between 1500 and 2000 people in a room i think by the time this comes out i probably say like we have got the friend zone coming in from america we're planning to bring over more americans uh, i can't say who but the plan is to just like make this a huge thing and a huge celebration of the diversity of podcasting yeah. as it has come to date and i think it's about marrying Um, what's happening in the US with what's happening in the UK and this kind of podcast Mm. revolution and so it's going to be like so exciting it's been nothing but stress since September when we decided that we're doing this Um, and we locked in a date which you said it's amazing that you know the date of your event so far ahead it's like yeah we've we've had this date since September I can't change it that's kind of like (laughs) the clue of how big it's going to be though because if you're planning like basically you're planning for the whole part of this year leading up to this massive massive event yeah and we were meant to make an announcement like about a month ago and we've just had like 
to stop and start and it's like I want to just tell everyone everything and then you can't and it's really hard for me because I'm like such an oversharer in life so if people listening want to come to the event in, in August um, August the 5th. 5th yes how can they keep up to date with so the website will go live or it should be live by the time you're listening so the website is www.solivefestival.com it is a festival it's a podcast festival um, and yeah it's going to be huge there's going to be probably podcasters that you've heard of that you're interested in and some that you may not have heard of who have not gotten the shine or recognition in the same way that Shout Out Network shows have. So we're going to help them kind of get a bit of a foot in the door and promote their content. So it's going to be like a true celebration of podcasting. Isn't it all so exciting forms. that, you know, back in the day, if you wanted your own radio show, good luck to you. You'd yeah. have to like, I don't know, well, it'd, it'd be luck, but also it would just be, I guess they're looking for a certain type of presenter and, you know, you've got the old sort of BBC faces which they are obviously really good at their jobs but it was such traditional routine yeah and now you've got like a huge festival with shows that are getting thousands of listeners it's just yeah it is a crazy. bit of a revolution it is honestly I've had to like reconcile my own thoughts and feelings in like the last th- two three months where I was like this is an impossible task because we're fronting all the capital ourselves like I literally been working all over the place just to like get the money for this because we haven't got sponsors yet and I think it's one of those cases that sponsors will come after they see what it is that we're doing and so it has been an, a weird weird time in my life like this is an impossible thing that we're doing there is no way we can like fly people this is unrealistic and then actually when you start doing it and taking it step by step it's so possible and then when we haven't told the podcast the the uk podcasters what we're doing we have not said a word to them so when they find out like certain americans are going to be there they're just going to lose their minds and i'm literally so excited for that moment because they're going to find out with everybody else and i'm just like that's the feeling I'm waiting for just like for people to understand like this isn't this is about creating an industry and creating a space and carving out a space for us as podcasters as people that have talent and there are talented individuals in our communities that have opinions and thoughts and are able to create really high quality content and they deserve to be recognized for that Mm. and so there's just so many factors I'm just like I I want to tell everyone everything at the same time but it's good PR is waiting (laughs) but it's it's a it's a kind of uh, it's proof that now hopefully um there are easier ways to get your voice out there and when I think about how you know you can get a book deal from a blog you can get a radio show from a podcast you can get a live event off the back of a I don't know it's just yeah it's, it's very exciting it's very accessible now and I really love that and I think that's important I do think there's always some value in exclusivity maybe it's because I went to Durham and that was the most elitist place in the world um and I do think there's value in things being like almost a little bit inaccessible you have to work for things right so Mm -hmm. not in like oh let's keep certain people out but how like making sure that there is a standard that you have to meet and that standard is not just set arbitrarily through being from certain backgrounds or being white or other or whatever that is is privileged at the moment and I think there is a value in like okay if you want to be in podcasting at least meet like a very standard bar of like this is the knowledge you need to have and Mm -hmm. this is what you need to know to kind of at least succeed and be successful in it so I think there's some value and maybe exclusivity is not the work work hard for it but I I, I know what you mean it's almost like there does need to be a standard because I always think my podcast only started being successful really like once I'd done about 25 episodes and I feel like well people were listening but it, it took off when I think it was consistent yeah like 
It's the same with people who start blogs. They do like three blog posts and then they give up. It's like... Guilty. Yeah, but it is easy to do. But it's I think um, you have to keep going. Yeah, there is... I think I found podcasting way more easier, mostly because I just show up to record. So I, and it's in my... My studio's in my house, so <laughs> I literally just have to go home. But yeah, there is value in the consistency. And I know that even with picking the UK shows for the festival lineup, there are so many people that are interested in doing it. And it's like well, we actually have to say no because you're not consistent or you're not putting out content regularly or something that we just have to have a standard where it's like, you, if you're not taking it seriously, there is, it is really difficult to kind of at least say no to people because I think some people just enter things just like, mm. oh, I think I can do this. And I think with podcasting specifically, it will push you to your limits, especially if you're speaking on niche topics mm. or if you're interviewing, you have to really hone your interview skills. You mm. can't have an interview podcast and not be a great interviewer. Like mm. you need to have like really great questions um, and really prepare for these things. So I think people enter things and do it haphazardly, but I think there's, when you're consistent, you keep doing it, you're gonna get better. Because I think like you, our podcast has only really become quite successful in the last maybe three or four months, I would say. And now we're starting to get like more recognition and people that we never thought would listen are tagging us and wanting to come mm. on the show and we're just like what what's going on and I think it's yeah. because we've now hit like a really good stride in that this is the time we're going to keep this is how it, the show is structured and we rarely deviate from that and people know what to expect from us every week so I think there's value in it um, yeah. and having that like at least consistency should be a standard mm. no <laughs> like, I'm glad you said that because I think like even though I definitely um and make it yourself type. My podcast grew from not really putting too much pressure on it. Mine was just like, oh, I'll just publish some Skype calls with friends that I've called in America or something and put it up. And I think I've learned recently actually that as you grow, you need to respect the listeners and actually really work hard on the quality because yeah. I think you look back even at old YouTube clips of people who are really successful now and you can see their technology has evolved yeah. from like a blurry little laptop camera <laughs> to like a full on Canon you know whatever yeah in at the moment and um it's it's important but are you are you looking for any other podcasts to join your network like how does that work with um yeah so we get pictures almost every day or every what wanting to join it yeah really it's madness um a lot of the ones that exist now have actually initially pitched and put off to do it themselves because we just didn't have the space or the capacity to add any more shows and we've actually even had to drop a show which I've now found they're continuing, but we did drop a show because they were not performing in the ways that we thought what we wanted on this network. So we we're finding now that we do have like a standard. And before it was very much, do you want to you want a podcast? Sure, have a podcast. Let let's mm. see what happens. That was not a mistake. I think we've learned from that, mm. but we don't operate that way anymore. So and what is the actual definition of a network? So for us, I'd say. I think all networks operate slightly differently, but for us, the network is a place where you can, they will just provide support, whether that be through producing the shows themselves. Some networks do that and some other networks like Indie Creative Network, I think you can create the content and they just help publish it and distribute it. So our network is, we'll do all of the production. We do not allow someone to record their own shows and distribute it. We'll cover the production, the distribution and any kind of edits and everything else. We'll cover all of that and we pay for all of that. Um, And then all you do is show up and record and promote your show. That is Mm. the one task for you as a content creator. If you can't do that, then you have no business on this network. Mm. So for us, that's how our network operates. Um, And I know others operate slightly differently. So it's all about kind of researching what you want and what you need um, from your network. And now we're finding that with the new shows that we're bringing on. So I think we're bringing on about five shows this year and they actually operate with um slightly differently from the current set so the others 
that we have talk every week. They're just conversational shows. Whereas these ones are more kind of series um, and they're kind of very compact and very produced. It, it shifts and it changes. Like This American Life is by far one of my favourite mm. favorite podcasts in the world, which is public radio. And I would like to get to a point where we create something like that where it's like proper journalism and it's delving really deep into a story and we're gonna I think attempt that in one of our shows this year which will be interesting because I feel like that's gonna be a massive production but we have been we've I guess someone's commissioned us to do that for them so what's slightly differently so like I said we don't even know we're just kind of just taking opportunities that seem really interesting and then seeing how we can fit that into how we operate and hopefully get like a more consistent stream because I think with the UK right now podcasting is so young do you think I was gonna ask actually about that because I I I definitely don't think it's going anywhere for sure but do you have any like visions of Do you just think it's going to keep on growing? I think so. I think it's still really untapped here. And I think there's new podcast listeners every day just kind of like just dropping in like, oh, I didn't know that this was a thing that I can do. Like, I didn't realise I can just not listen to music on the tube. Even now, people being like, oh, I've just discovered your podcast. Like, yeah, but it's literally been a first time a thing. But also with brands, because I've been working with a few people recently who have sort of wanted to do tests. Like, I just want to test doing an ad. And, I'm, and I totally understand that because it's still new, new. in the yeah. UK. It's very new, especially on the brand side and the monetization yeah. side, which is why we... Because were you saying that you were doing, you did like sort of tests in a way or like just trials of let, let's, yeah. let's do this like tiny little ad and you see if you think it's worth it. Yeah. The flash sale, which was a nighttime inspiration, which is how most things start on this network. <laughs> I, I fall asleep and wake up in the middle of the night like, this is a great idea, I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> Quick, write execute. it down so you don't forget. Yeah, let's execute on this like the next day. Um, and then I went to Jamaica for two weeks, which was like a terrible plan. Um, but yeah, the flash sale was just like, how do we get brands to see what it is because if unless you listen to podcasts and there's still so many people that don't um and i had so many phone calls with a few people like i don't understand but what is a what is a podcast i'm like what if you think of it like radio but instead of like you producing the ad we produce the ad and this is what it's going to sound like and it's like okay let's just give it away like basically give it away for free it wasn't free it was like a pound or five pounds and just here's what we here's what our shows can do do you like it yes or no and I think now we've got like a nice bank of people that said oh I didn't know that that's what it was going to sound like here's some feedback and now we can kind of grow and iterate and like actually the penguin sponsorship is a bit of a trial for the style because they wanted like a very specific style Mm. and I was like I don't think I've ever heard that on a podcast full stop so (laughs) you're asking for something that's like completely unheard of in my in my estimation so it's like how do we now create something that's completely different like we actually get to shape and influence how we work with brands a little bit it's sort of like the anti-advert isn't it yeah because they want it to be so like in the they want it to be in the conversation it's not like a live read like you're paying for a portion they want to be in that conversation Mm -hmm. and we're really good at just talking about brands we like anyway and dropping them into conversation so like how do we price that like there's so many questions that come up with this that it's just like how do I don't know how to price something like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you just want to be in a conversation how do I price how do I how do I quantify that what's the value in that yeah so yeah we're trialing that um and I think everything's just going to be a test and just throw mm. crap at the walls and see what sticks I love it I love it we're in, the, we're in a new way of, of, of working with people in a way that feels really good for both people and yeah because I, I just 
you know some ads that you see on tv even and you're just like how like who was in the room <laughs> who came up with this and I've i think so like you know obviously your podcast is called melanin millennials yes being millennials we 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 are switched on when it comes to the internet and adverts yeah i'm allergic blocker. to bad weird targeted ads I hate targeted ads. I mean, I think they're very useful as a marketer in life. I'm like, yes, they make perfect sense to follow you around the internet and, <laughs> and stalk me. But they when are they so get it groovy. right, it's okay. It's like on Amazon when I log in and it says you you might like this book. I'm yeah, like, thanks Amazon. That's helpful. Like yeah. you you got that right. I will like that book and I'll buy it. But when it's like targeting like me on Twitter about a new like toilet brush, I'm just like <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't understand. What, what, I've given you all my information, you're still targeting me wrong. I think that's down to the person that put in their information. Because, like, <laughs> toilet brush is so random. Um, I get targeted for the most bizarre, like, business conferences about that recruitment and HR. And I'm just like, sure. I don't... I always get friggin' pregnancy ads as well. That's really weird. And I'm like, do you know that I've been in a relationship? But, like, that's they so that. assuming. Like, excuse me. That's really creepy. Yeah. That's really weird, yeah. No, I don't I don't get weird ones like that, just HR conferences and things. And yeah. I'm like, I don't I don't work in that anymore actually. Yeah. But um okay, so next year, I mean not next year, this year. This year. This summer, I mean, um the event's coming up, it's really, really exciting. What other things shall we look out for? You um, have mentioned quite a lot of exciting things. Yeah, so much is going just on to this finish. year. And and how to follow you and follow all of the podcasts. Yes, so all of our podcasts are available at shoutoutnetwork.co.uk or we're at shoutoutldn um, on Twitter so that's usually where all the updates come through because we're really good at Twitter you are so good <laughs> we're so good at that but so rubbish at everything else <laughs> so yeah at shoutoutldn for the festival it's solifestival.com I think at me is at Amy Morgan with an I I-M-I Morgan and yeah we've got loads of new podcasts coming out this year when I can't say but look out for one that's going to be kind of audio short stories which is going to be so cool I'm really excited about that that's going to production this month and so we're hoping that by the time the festival comes around we can kind of release that and it'll be very exciting so definitely keep an eye out for that one that's my most exciting one oh congrats (laughs) because like even since we first met which was like a few months ago now like so much has happened yeah and it's really exciting to watch thank and i'm you. really like so excited to watch this year thank you so unfold. much unfold thanks for coming on no worries thank bye you. everyone bye